comedian Anne Gildee. Good afternoon. You're very welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, you've picked out five songs for us that have meant something to you throughout your life. Will we Will we just dive right in with the first one? It's a David Bowie song. You discovered David Bowie in Tubercurry, did you? That's right, <laughs> yeah. I grew up in Tubercurry. I was born in England and then we moved back there. And um, I, it was three miles outside Tubercurry. Those kind of things really matter, Brendan. Yeah. I, gr- I grew up in the sticks. I grew up in the bog and uh, absolutely loved David Bowie. Was it strange landing in the bog from, from England? How old were you? Uh, I was five. Uh, it, it was. I mean, we had a lovely life in England and then the Land Commission were going to take the farm and it was like your traditional Oh my Irish. God, we're back in the dark chapters <laughs> again. I thought, we, I thought we left in the last hour. No, we're already totally, gone into the Land Commission. It's totally, it's like the yeah. dark, oh Jesus, the history of Ireland's yeah. so miserable. Um, and uh, yeah, so we came back and uh, it... It didn't work out. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm imagining then, so black and white life in the bog and David Bowie is a burst of colour into all of this. This is the whole thing. It was was like um, I I lived in um, Moyloch, Tubbacurry, County Slagger for 12 and a half years and it was... It was 12 and a half years of solid misery, which we won't go into. Okay. But David Bowie was the absolute saviour. Like all those albums from, this one is from the album David Bowie, 1969. It's and kind of hippie, fl- It was a hippie yeah. um, But you're just beginning to see his absolute genius and the breadth of what he was writing about. Okay, and, and why have you chosen those- Letter to Hermione? Um, because of all the albums, like I listened to, I knew all those albums from 69 to about scary monsters, all of them, yeah. and I knew all of them. But this song always really stood out for me. Um, I think it's because when you're pubescent, when you're a teenager, it's, uh, it's so emotional and it's about heartbreak and loss and there's a real vulnerability in his voice and he's very young when he did this song and then so it's a very vulnerable ballad it's a letter to this girl um, Hermione I used to I remember reading about David Bowie and he used to pronounce her name Hermione Fartingale yeah <laughs> I just go, she sounds like a whoopee cushion. Uh, I just thought, oh, comedy name, emotional song. Uh, yeah. it was and a, that was her name. And she yeah, did, no, was it was your researcher who yeah. said it would be Fartingale, actually, not Fartingale. Yeah, it could be just for the gale, you know, yeah. the way they often skip yeah, over. But it's yeah. beautiful yeah. Um, because you've got that emotionalism and then underneath you've got this beautiful guitar arrangement and there's this whole other rhythm of other emotion going under it, driving it through and... Uh, I, I just adore this song. Oh my God, I haven't been given this song enough credit down the years at all. Okay, Letter to Hermione by David Bowie. They say your life is going very well They say you sparkle like a different girl But something tells me that you hide When all the world is warm and tired You cry a little in the dark well, so do I I'm not quite sure what you're supposed to say But I can see it's not okay Oh my God, you're right. That's Letter to Her- Hermione by David Bowie. That's comedian Anne Gildee's first year. You're right, it's all in there. And and we see the B- Bowie, the Bowie we And the vulnerability of it. Yeah. And you know when you're that age and your first heart aches and that's just, you're beginning to just get those urges yeah. and the emotionalism of youth. I think it captures it so beautifully. And it, so, so... 
Tubercurry was kind of miserable. It, it, so your parents had emigrated to Manchester, came yeah, back. Yeah, my mum was It was from, the wrong move for yeah. your dad, I think, was my it? My mum was from Mayo and my dad was from there. Yeah. And um, so it was the pull of the land. Like, my dad was a painter and decorator. He had really nice life in England. But as soon as the farm, you know, you had it was yeah. just, it just called him back. And it was just a small little farm but um he you know like so it's the story of so many people you know he moved back and uh, and then he he started drinking and maybe things came up for him and he is his own story but the the big piece for us was we moved back to this little shack of a three room cottage and he was going to build his dream house and my parents had picked out the plans and he was brilliant with his hands and it was going to be the dream of his life to build this house and then he just got really depressed and he never did so we we were dragged up in this miserable, <laughs> it was like famine time conditions. I mean, I can laugh about it now, but. Oh, yeah, you're clearly over it. <laughs> but the shame, Brendan. I mean, I really carried the shame of it for years because we just grew up keeping people away from the house. And well, so many people, so many people listening will um, uh, this will resonate with them. You you know, that thing when you have trouble at home and you think everybody else is everybody else is normal. And sure, it's not that way at all. I mean, I think you've touched on these themes thoroughly in in this episode. That's another kind of secret yeah. as well yeah, and yeah. We, sure look we all remember those families yeah, yeah. okay let's let's um let's jolly things along a bit so so <laughs> you you have chosen next your uh fellow mancunians uh yeah. it's a smith song yeah. and actually this is complete coincidence that donald trump is also favoring this song this week i ca- i couldn't believe that what it was being the zeitgeist i couldn't believe i chose that song and i thought oh people mightn't remember this song it's so beautiful and now it's connected to donald trump so i don't think after today i can ever listen to it again now I know, johnny I know. ma is absolutely disgusted you know he's trying he's trying to stop them using it but apparently if you know if you don't own the license in your song you actually can't do it sometimes has Morrissey said anything about it I don't know I just yeah, saw because I think it was Johnny wrote it? the music so maybe okay, the lyrics yeah, so yeah, maybe yeah. Um, Johnny has more of ownership well it'd are be you still standing by Morrissey can you still enjoy the music and not necessarily well I the I know individual? Pe- well we what did he do I, I think we could be here all day. I mean, it's. I think he has expressed some uh, opinions that not everybody might agree with. I, like well, that. it's so but funny because, like, when it comes to an artist, I just listen to the work and yeah. I don't really delve into that stuff. And I went to see him in Vicar Street and I... It was so emotional. I mean, he's got his fans who just adore him because that music resonates from our youth. And the last time I saw him was in 1984 when I was 18 in the SFX. So it's yeah. quite funny to, you know, back then he was the really cool, skinny guy with the shirt and the shrub in his yeah. pocket. And it was so funny to see him in Vicar Street because now he looks like he could be on a tractor in Mayo. He does. <laughs> he does. You're so right. He looks like he could have just kind of taken a load of turf <laughs> down from the bog and he's put the turf in the shed or oh, I have yeah. a gig in Vicar Street off I go he's such a big Irish head of him <laughs> and some fella's uncle who stands yeah. at the back of mass and doesn't talk to exactly. anyone like and the opinions any opinions he has he might go <laughs> they would be the opinions you'd hear <laughs> yeah. in a pub yeah. of that generation okay. Irish bloke and that I what I love about Morrissey is I think he's a brilliant artist I think he works really hard graft and craft 
Um, uh, I think he's really sincere. Uh, he's authentic and genuine. And if you really listen to stuff he says, he just says, this is my point of view. I don't think he's going out flag waving, waving except about... I think he literally does wave the, veget- the Union Jack around a bit, which... Would make oh, he does, which I find funny. Yeah, um, yeah. Because he's so Irish. Anyway, look, we're, we're, this, it, today is not about Morrissey and, and his thoughts. It's about his big Irish head. And, the, and the, <laughs> this is absolutely beautiful. So this is uh, Angle D's second choice. Please, please, please let me get what I want by the Smiths. Good times for a change. See, the luck I've had can make a good man turn back. So please, please, please Let me, let me, let me Let me get what I want this time Haven't had a dream in a long time the life I've had can make a good man bad. So we, yeah, we didn't want that to end, and it is quite short, but the, uh, it's. It's exquisite, isn't it? It is exquisite. It's, it's absolutely exquisite. Please, please, please let me get what I want by the Smiths and Gildy's second choice. Um, I didn't know this. Before the comedy, you were going to be an actress. You went off to London uh, to... I went off to London to run away from... <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Understandable. I, uh, the first escape from Sligo was I went to college in Dublin and then um, I started doing funny debates and stuff. And so comedy was always part of my thing. And then I rocked up in, in London when I was 21 and, and then you really have to face, what am I going to do? And I knew I just didn't want an, an institutional job or something sitting at a desk. I really wanted to perform. And so I just did everything for years. I mean, I just went about it arseways. I, I kind of just pressed reset my life and I cut contacts with absolutely everybody I knew before and I just started again and... In a crazy way, I used to just look in the back of City Limits or Time Out and see there was all these um, free drama things you could do that were run by the councils. It was a different era. There was a yeah, kind of more GLC social. GLC and all that. Yeah, there was thing, a more yeah. socialist thing going on. So maybe Lambeth Council would be running a two-week free workshop with a load of performance artists. And you just, I did endless workshops like that. I met people. I ended up doing stuff on the comedy circuit with two other women. We were called Doris Karloff. And then I started doing stand. <laughs> Up, I thought, oh well, there's loads of comedy clubs. I'll just get a set together and I'll start making money doing that. And oh, comedy so hard. <laughs> it was it was a very, very long time before I made any money doing comedy, but I got the bug. I just okay. wanted to crack it. So And the next choice, I suppose, brings you back to your kind of uh, bohemian days. It is actually, I'll just warn people, there's going to be jazz now. This brings you back more to Amsterdam, though. Yeah, my sister lived in Amsterdam and, uh, you know, like in the 80s, everybody immigrated. So she ended up in Amsterdam and and I used to go and visit her all the time. And Amsterdam, in a funny way, through my 20s and early 30s, felt like home. I just loved going there. I loved Olive Brent's. So this song reminds me of sitting in her flat. She used to sublet off a Dutch woman who had two budgies who she thought it's not fair to keep them in a cage. So the one thing about this flat was there was two 
apologies flying about. Can I use the word shitting on the radio? <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. Because it's appropriate. Uh, and, and so you couldn't open everywhere. the window either, could you? No. <laughs> you go, we'll close the budgies there and we'll go out the balcony. But there's little bird poos <laughs> everywhere. And it's my memory of all that time. I just adore Amsterdam. My sister since moved back, but she was there for 15 years. I just love Amsterdam. I love the whole aesthetic of the place. It was, mo- it was much more chill then. It's yeah. gone like everywhere else now. Property's really expensive. It's very corporate. It's very, it gone more slick. But back then it was really laid back. A lot of arty people there, really chilled. Yeah. And she was always listening to Miles Davis. Okay, yeah, everything has been commodified, hasn't it? Yeah. Okay, here's uh, Freddie Freeloader uh, by Miles Davis featuring John Coltrane. I can almost see a sitcom now of you sitting in the flat smoking budgie poo <laughs> <laughs> nodding your heads to that like now this. Now you say, no. isn't it wonderful yeah. though? It just, and it's yeah. that's the power of music. Yeah. Particularly, I think the music that really gets in on you when you're younger really stays with you. I think maybe when you're older, it doesn't hit you the same way. Yeah. But yeah. that brings me back to Amsterdam in the 90s. Yeah. The frozen present, as, as, uh, as Ivor Brown would call it, like you're right back there. Oh, is that what he called that. it? I never heard that he, before. You know, he's That's... saying it in, in, in the... connection with trauma, like, but in connection <laughs> with, with, I think in connection yeah. with nice warm times as well. Uh, music, exactly, the frozen, yeah. put you back there. And as you it? get on a bit, you really appreciate those things. You because you have a sense of the brevity of life and yeah. that those, you you know, when you're younger, you think you're going to have endless moments or you'll meet endless people who might be the one or whatever. Yeah. And you realise actually life's short and each thing is precious. Yeah, if we could go back and tell ourselves to enjoy it more <laughs> exactly, back then. Yeah. yeah. OK, listen, we'll talk about your, uh, the phenomenon that is your menopause comedy show in a minute. But... Um, of course, a lot of people will remember you as as a phase of your life, one of the newlas. Was that a fantastic time? That was the best thing ever, you know, yeah. because I had just moved back to Ireland. I've been doing stand up in London and I moved back in 94 and I was doing comedy in a little club run by Morgan Jones called JB's Bar beside Gaiety. And um, an RT producer called Charlie McCarthy saw me there and he got me to audition to be Jerry Ryan's sidekick on this telly show called The Jerry Ryan Tonight Show. Yeah. It was a twice-weekly live TV show that ran for a season in 95. And I, it, so uh, that was my big break working in here. I'd been chipping away in London for seven years, getting nowhere, and it was quite a big thing to get that. And then that came to an end in uh, May 95, and I thought... Oh my God! What am I going to do now? Yeah. And the new me and Sue Collins and Tara Flynn just met at a party, clicked, and um, the newlies just took off. And how long did that go on for? We did. We had seven amazing years to begin with, and then we uh, split up and we did other things, and then. Um, we got back together in 2011. We were asked to get back together to go up for a TV proposal for a comedy special, which we didn't get. But then because we got the act together again, we just stayed on the road for another seven years. And like you, you do. Yeah. <laughs> and you've picked uh, 
yeah, the Nulas were known for comedy songs. You've picked a comedy song as your next track. Tell me about Sister Josephine by Jake Thackeray. Well, um, we, I, um, I work with my partner, Paul, and we drive all over the country. And so he's always picking unusual stuff. And he found this um, songster from the 60s called Jake Thackeray, who had never heard of. And he was very popular in the UK then. And uh, he wrote comedy songs. But what I love about this is I wish I'd heard it back, you know, back when we were writing. We had a very popular song called Bridget the Nun. So what I love about this song is there, here's you another... Know, a lot of Irish people, if the word Bridget is mentioned <laughs> or the word go is mentioned, they can't help but in their heads go, go Bridget, go Bridget, go, go, go. It's like... It's, it's, it was such it's an it's iconic... It's isn't it? Yeah. It, it yeah. just became a really big thing, this particular song we wrote. And then I went, oh, here's this iconic song about... It's, it's a song about a convict on the run who is disguised as a nun but the nuns don't realise that he's a convict and uh, it's just adorable. Okay, we'll take a brief snatch of Sister Josephine by Jake Thackeray. Oh, Sister Josephine What do all these policemen mean By coming to the convent in a grim limousine After Sister Josephine While you Sister Josephine You sit with your boots up on the altar screen You smoke one last cigar What a funny nun you are The policeman say that Josephine I like that he brought proper uh, diction and singing to it all though a comedy song but nonetheless he's taking it quite seriously Sister Josephine by Jake Thackeray that's um, Anne Gildee's fourth choice So you mentioned your partner Paul there. It was, it was he came up with the idea for your show, he how did. to get the menopause and enjoy yeah. it. Paul yeah. is amazing. I, um, I have to say, Brendan, all my life, I, I thought um, everybody thinks it's a perfect one out there. Maybe um, because from fairy tales or whatever, and uh, I, and I finally met that person when I was forty eight. <laughs> so, Oh, isn't that but, lovely? Yeah. So oh. we like we're really close, but then we got really, really close during lockdown because we really started working closely together creatively. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to write a song or uh, a show about midlife and it was going in all directions. And it was Paul who came into my office one day and wrote on the board how to get the menopause and enjoy it. And he said, that's your show. And I was very resistant to the idea because this is before there was, you know, the floodgates have opened about menopause since. Yeah. But this is several years ago during lockdown. And uh, I thought oh, people won't be interested in that. And I'm past that. But then I started researching it and I kind of went into shock. I really went down the rabbit hole. I I just realised all I didn't know. The The implications are so broad with not just going through menopause, but in the aftermath, when you, you've gone through that hormonal depletion, all the effects it has on every system of your body. Um, I actually went on HRT after um, during that process. I just realised uh, all I didn't know. And uh, and then, of course, yeah. um, kind so of... In, are women you know, still coming to it fresh and not not, not kind of realising what's in store for them a bit, yeah? Well, this is the whole thing because, like, we hear, we, you know, you know that your periods will stop and maybe you'll get some heart flushes, but women don't realise the full breadth of the symptoms. Like, I all the time ask the audience and I get all sorts of things. The funniest one, I was in um, Mullingar last week and a woman in the audience said, itchy ears. <laughs> <laughs> oh! 
my God. I such a laugh with that all through the show. The woman with the itchy ears. But she is plagued by itchy ears since she went into menopause. And I was talking to her after and a friend was yeah. going, I never realised you had itchy ears. And she was going, yes, I have a terrible itchy ears. But there's all sorts. Particularly, I think the big one, Brendan, is the emotional effect it can have. When your hormones are fluctuating, and particularly as your oestrogen begins to drain away, it can really... Um, instigate low mood in women like and a very dark statistic is that the highest rate of suicide for women in Ireland is as at 51 years of age which is peak menopause time and I think even just understanding an essential piece like that is so important and and so the show there's there's a kind of a recognition education whatever factor to it of let's talk about this but in a way is this a load of women coming out being liberated to celebrate the, the, the oh well you know I, the Irish women they hunt in packs experience, yeah. Irish women know how to, uh, how to have a good time I, I, and the Mullingar show is crazy I've been down there before and they're really wild and I went I thought it'd be safe coming in ja- dry January there's no safe <laughs> but um, yeah, women come out together they are, all share their experience and there is an educational element to what it what gets the biggest because, laughs um one thing that gets a big laugh is there's always men in the audience and so I always chat to them at the beginning and there's you, there's always more than one so there's one fella I chat to him and then we find another fella and I went well you're in luck because usually if there's just one fella in the audience what we do at the end of the night is we sacrifice him <laughs> <laughs> and they they love to set up that whole vibe but um, uh, it's just yeah okay yeah. I won't ask you to give it away yeah but yeah. it's a it's a wild night anyway and oh but men are safe are they going well men actually really enjoy it. one because it's just it's just full of gags and two it's the secret life of women so they love getting all that informational piece and three it's just it's just fun yeah and you know? four men men have some version of the menopause I'm convinced like. uh, andropause absolutely I've talked to guys who you know get checked out and their testosterone levels have really fallen and then they get testosterone injections I was talking to one guy and he said I said what difference has it made and he went better energy more focus better decision making um yeah. I I think I mean we're we're all Mammals, I wonder if know? there's something is going to kick off about this because then I was talking to a guy and he basically said that all men who go on and get their testosterone checked, they're told, yeah, your testosterone's perfectly normal for your age. And he, his point was, like, yeah, it might be normal oh for my, my God, age. This is exactly what women have gone through with doctors saying so many women have told me doctors don't want to know about HRT. And I did have a doctor say to me, it's just a natural part of being a woman. And it's the... Was that a man or a woman doctor? uh, That was actually a young female doctor. And I, you know, I talk about her in the show and I go, I wonder... We should be saying that when she gets to my age, (laughs) do you know? Um, But that is the same piece that women get. Now, look... I will, I will stress before the texts are flinging, I'm not making the menopause about men. It was That was a little sidebar I was throwing in there. Uh, uh, no, they, but it is interesting. Yeah. It's re- That's a really interesting point you raised there. So your your menopause, I think, was brought on prematurely, wasn't it? When yeah, that's People right. will remember that you had cancer uh, and you, you wrote about it and you talked about it and it, there was a film and I think there was actually a... I turned a it into an industry then. is yeah, what yeah, you're I, saying. I, I, I wasn't <laughs> going to say... No, I do think, like, you would think, sure, lots of people talk about cancer, 
but you helped a lot of people, I think. Like, a lot of people found it really kind of um, liberating that you were doing this. Well, there was before social media. So yeah. I just, yeah. the, one of the reasons I really went for it is because I was going into chemotherapy and I hadn't a clue what to expect. I didn't know what it looked like or how it was delivered. Or I just wanted to, to evoke a sense of the whole, what you're physically and viscerally experiencing when you're going through a process like that. How long ago was that? That was um, 2011. So it was 45 and it did plunge me into the menopause. And I only really realised that piece when I was reading about menopause during lockdown. You're joking. Nobody really... No, no. I mean, the oncologist had told me that my periods were going to stop because um, uh, chemo shuts down everything. And he went, they won't come back given your age. Uh, so I knew that was over. And then I was having terrible night sweats, like, as I say in the show, every night, wringing out the bed sheets, my nighty, my boyfriend's neck. Uh, it was... Uh, so I... I, 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 knew, I knew I had that symptom, but I wasn't thinking of the whole menopausal piece. And there was other things that happened, particularly terrible, terrible low mood after the whole thing. And uh, there was no reason to be feeling that way and I just couldn't figure it a terrible vertigo which is also uh, uh, one of the issues yeah. and then oh you know multiple little how do you reflect on the cancer now what did it do to you as a person for me personally I felt like um, I'm so lucky that I got through it because I was on the journey with other people and some of them close to me who didn't make it and um I, I feel very fortunate and I feel like it was uh, a rebirth. It really, really? re engaged me with the with the value of life, particularly when you witness people who really wanted to live and they had children and they didn't make it. Um, so I just feel so lucky and it really connected me to the preciousness and the brevity of life. And it was also utterly inspired by every medic I met in St. James's Hospital. They're, they used to use this phrase there all the time, that's the gold standard, that's the gold standard. They have this incredible standard in that hospital and the treatment and the, the respect and the compassion of those people on top of all the pressures they're working under. Just okay. That really inspired me. OK, but, and look, fair play for the, all the things I asked you about. What did it do to you? You mentioned uh, yeah. positives. Obviously, it's an awful thing to happen, an awful thing to go through, but you took positives so much. So your final track... Dionne Warwick, why this? Because um, it's by Burt Bacharach and Hal David and all their songs were all over the radio when we were little kids. So to me, the idea of a Burt Bacharach song is the archetypal song and this is one... The gold standard, you might say. Yeah, good gold. Very good, Brendan. (laughs) Okay, um, Anna's currently on tour around the country with How to Get the Menopause and Enjoy. You're in Nace tonight. And you'll be following in Dion Warwick's footsteps after There's one ticket left in Nace. Okay. There's one ticket hanging on for the last few days. Can somebody please? <laughs> it's at the back on the left. And then okay. the, and the big one's coming up. I have, can I mention v- I'm Vickers, in... Uh, Vicker uh, Street on June 7th. Vicker Street is my big Dublin gig. And I'm also in Donegal and Trilly. Okay. And Gildee, thank you very much. And we'll end on this. This Girl's In Love With You by Dion Warwick. Thanks, Anne.